As we quiet our hearts to hear God's word today, let us pray. God of power and grace, fill us with the wisdom of your word and the understanding of your spirit so that we may be your church, a people with dreams and visions at work in all the world. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading from today comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants which, what soon must take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. To the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is, faith, who is a faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Our second reading is also from the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verses 6 through 21. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true, for the Lord, the God of the spirits and of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. See, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But the angel said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your comrades, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book. For the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. See, I am coming soon. My reward is with me to repay according to everyone's work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life 
and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and fornicators and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. It is I, Jesus, who sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let everyone who hears say, come. And let everyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. The one who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. The title of our sermon this morning is borrowed from a famous or infamous protest song from 1965. The version that most people know was recorded by Barry McGuire, and it spoke about a lot of social turmoil in the United States in the 1960s. It was a polarizing song. If you were alive at the time, you either loved it or hated it. There was no in-between. And whether you loved it or hated it, the refrain is unforgettable. You tell me over and over again, my friend, how you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. Eve of destruction was a big hit, and it was despised at exactly the same time. Some people hated it so much, they wrote and recorded counter-protest songs responses to Eve of Destruction. A typical response was a song of hope by the back porch majority. It was a happy, peppy, folky song and its refrain said, I tell you over and over and over again, we're gonna make it if we try. I don't know how a song of hope sounded in 1965 but it really sounds hokey and corny now. It sounds like it was written by someone who wasn't paying attention to what was going on in the world. On the other hand, Eve of Destruction now sounds hokey and bombastic to me. The song doesn't make for good poetry and, well, it's been 55 years since the song was released and the world hasn't ended yet. Still, it's memorable. I think the book of Revelation is polarizing in much the same way as the song Eve of Destruction was. 
a few people really love Revelation. The rest of us, not so much. Some are scared off by the nightmarish visions. Many more are confused and having trouble figuring out what the writer, John of Patmos, is trying to say. I have avoided preaching on Revelation in my five years in ministry. Frankly, I didn't want to preach a sermon on sorcerers, fornicators, and idolaters. Verses like that are usually used to condemn people. Such verses let the pastor condemn his or her enemies, claiming that they are God's enemies. I don't want to go there. But the weird and oddly specific prophecies seem to speak into our troubled times. In the last couple months, more than one person has asked me, Pastor, do you think all this stuff that's going on in our world was predicted in Revelation? My friends, Rebecca and Carissa, have also been hearing this question. So we decided that we needed to spend some more time with Revelation. We saw a teachable moment because the images in Revelation won't let us go. And the prophecies are relevant to our time as they are to all times. The short answer is no, Revelation is not a code to be unraveled. It doesn't point to any hidden conclusions or secret codes. Revelation does contain prophecy that points us toward a faithful response to God's love in a broken world. Sometimes Alan drives me nuts on our podcast when he connects everything to a song title. I roll my eyes every time now when he does it. And yet, this week, I cannot get REMs the end of the world as we know it out of my head. Well played, Alan. Now I have two songs stuck in my head. Revelation is such a complicated book that just the second word of it is problematic. And in fact, the first word, the, isn't actually used in the Greek. So technically, the first word of this text is problematic. No wonder Revelation is such a hard book to get a handle on. We can't even get past the first word without it getting murky. And here's what's murky about that first word, about the way we use it. Apocalypsis, apocalypse in English, is very different than the scriptural use. The way we use it today has changed from what it was in the original Greek. When we think of apocalypse, many of our minds go to war and destruction and death and zombies. And that is not at all what John of Patmos is doing in this particular piece of scripture. John is not predicting the end of the world. Most of our modern translations of the text use the word revelation here instead of apocalypse, which is where this book got its title. And that's used to try and clear up the confusion around that word apocalypse. 
but the cat is all the way out of the bag either way and shoving cats back in bags never goes well. Don't ask me how I know, I'm not ready to talk about it. Anyway, apocalypse does not mean end of the world. At no point in the book of Revelation does our dear Saint John say, this is how the world ends. What he says is this is the end of the world as we know it. The Bible does not talk about the end of the world. Never does. There is no talk about the whole thing exploding or imploding or just going poof. It talks so much though about the end of the way things were. It's well documented that among the three preachers you're getting over the next two months of this series that I am the language nerd. So here's another Greek lesson. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Beta is the second. Alpha, beta, ABCs. Alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. Jesus is Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. The end of the beginning, the beginning of the end, everything from beginning to end and back again, all at once. The Bible doesn't tell us the world is going to end. It tells us that the way we know the world now will end. It's the end of the world as we know it. So if apocalypse doesn't mean end of the world, what does it mean? Well, it just means uncover or reveal. Something can be apocalypsed, uncovered, and it can also in Greek be calypsed, covered. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's referring to a revealing of the end of times or even a revealing of the future. Often in scripture, apocalypse is the revealing of something that's already is in the world. There's no sense of prediction necessarily associated with this word at all, ever, in the Greek. It's a revealing of truth. It's a time when we are opened up, unburdened, unblinded from the things that are holding us back from seeing things in a new way, in God's way. And it's something that's done to us, not by us. Think about the conversion of Saul on the road to Damascus. That was a revelation, an apocalypse. That was an apocalyptic moment. I know that I am not the only person in the world right now who feels like we are seeing the end of the world as we know it. And we sort of are. This isn't the end of the world. But we are at a time when so many things are being brought to light by this pandemic that we can't possibly go back to how things were. The world will and should come out of this different. The pandemic is an apocalypse. We are living in apocalyptic times using the scriptural sense of that word. These times are forcing us to see things in new ways. It's bringing to light how much we need to slow down. It's forcing us to retool church, something that the American church has been in desperate need of for decades. It's brought to light the inequities of systemic poverty and structural racism that we prefer to avoid confronting whenever possible. So many things are being revealed, uncovered, apocalypsed, both good and bad right now. 
So yeah, we're living in an apocalyptic time. Not in the it's all ending, Jesus is coming back with a trumpet blast tomorrow way, but in the Paul on the road to Damascus in need of a serious conversion way. So take a deep breath. That doesn't mean we're all headed to hell in a handbasket and that halfway through this sermon, Rebecca and Alan and I are just going to be piles of clothes on the ground. Apocalypse isn't all bad. When I read this text, I think the good news it offers us is that Revelation is ultimately a book about Jesus, about who Jesus is, about how Jesus relates to creation, and about how we are to respond to Jesus's action in our lives. Revelation is not about how to predict when the world is going to end. We did not choose to preach on this text this summer because we think the coronavirus pandemic is a sign of the end of the world. Instead, we think that Revelation is a profoundly hopeful book. It is a book that bears witness through some strange signs and metaphors to God's sovereignty over all creation. Revelation teaches us that God, made manifest in the person of Jesus Christ, is in absolute control of all things. While we will face trials and tribulations, God will ultimately be victorious. God is actively working to restore creation to its intended glory. Because of God's love for all of humanity, God has the first and God has the final say in all of creation. We hope that when life starts to feel a little overwhelming this summer, we too can find comfort in God's sovereignty in the midst of uncertainty. If the good news of Revelation is that God is in absolute control of all things, this gives us great freedom to be flexible in the midst of trials and tribulations. One area where we find ourselves being flexible right now is in the way that we do church. My small churches here in southwestern Pennsylvania have resumed in-person worship. We're still providing something for people to watch online who can't make it. Allen's Church is experimenting with a hybrid model of virtual and outdoor worship services. Carissa's churches are continuing to meet virtually. Freed from the constraints of the way that we've always done things, the three of us are able to collaborate to breathe new life into our virtual worship services. We each bring different gifts to the table. Alan challenges us to look at the text in new ways. Carissa produces and edits our videos. I make sure that we meet regularly and that we get all of our information to Carissa in time for her to edit it. This pandemic has taught us that the church isn't just the building, but the church is her people supporting one another in whatever is going on in the world around them. As we prepare to go from this place, 
I encourage you to spend some time this week reflecting on what it means for God to be in control of your life. When I was reflecting this week, here's what I came up with. If God is in control, then I can be flexible with how I worship. I can embrace opportunities for virtual connection and collaboration. I can clarify essential routines and rituals and distinguish those from things that maybe aren't essential or urgent right now. I can be open to the movement of the spirit in my life and in my community. And finally, if God is in control, I can let go of what all that, that exists outside of my control. Friends, Carissa, Allen, and I are excited to collaborate with you this summer as we do a deep dive into Revelation. We hope that you will follow along with the Revelation reading plan that we're going to give you. If you have questions about what you've read, we encourage you to bring your questions with you to Thursday afternoon Bible study. We're looking forward to learning what Revelation has to teach us during this strange and unique moment in our history. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with God's people. Amen.